0: Okay, that's enough. Let's listen to this episode. Welcome to The Stacks, a podcast about books and the people who read them. I'm your host, Tracy Thomas, and today we are joined again by Leah Koch, one of the founders of the Ripped Bodice Bookstore in Los Angeles. Today we are discussing The Hating Game by Sally Thorne for The Stacks Book Club. Before we dive into the episode, please know there are spoilers. And now, a little housekeeping. All right, here it is, your weekly reminder. Everything we talk about on today's episode can be found in the show notes. There is a link there that will take you to all the books discussed today, as well as the social media accounts for the Stacks and our guests. Plus, if you shop through the links on Amazon, you're helping to keep the Stacks free. If you're looking for an amazing book recommendation, send us an email to askingthestacks at gmail.com. Myself and my guest will read it on air, discuss it, and then give you a personalized book recommendation or five. So email askingthestacks at gmail.com with your name, what you're looking for, and maybe a few titles you've loved or hated. If you like the stacks and want to support the work we're doing, here are a few easy ways you can help. First of all, join us over on Patreon. That's a website where you support the work we're doing and earn perks for yourself. We've got a virtual book club, we got inside access to the show, and we have an amazing community of other readers who love the podcast. So head over to patreon.com/slash the stacks to join in. The last thing you can do to help the show is definitely the easiest. Subscribe to The Stacks wherever you get your podcasts. Leave us a rating and a review and tell your your friends and family about the show. It goes a really long way to helping us reach new audiences. All right, now it's time for the Stacks Book Club conversation of The Hating Game by Sally Thorne with Leah Koch. All right, you guys, I am back again today with Leah Koch. She is one of the co-owners of The Ripped Bodice. It's the Stacks Book Club today. So we're discussing The Hating Game by Sally Thorne. What's crazy is this is the first time we've ever done romance, a romance book on the podcast. So Leah, welcome back. Thank you. So exciting. You're our guide. <laughs> um, We always start in the same place. Well, I guess we should talk. Uh, you know what? Let me back up for a second. First of all, we will spoil this book. If yes. you have not read the book and you deeply care about what happens to these characters, please stop listening, finish reading, come back when you're ready. That's part one. We'll be here. We'll be here. This is out in the world now. <laughs> part two the book is about i should tell you what the book is about in case you're just listening because you're not going to read it or you've already read it or whatever for refresher the book is about
1: oh my god what's her name lucy oh. <laughs>
0: <laughs> the book is about lucy hutton i remember her last name yeah. horribly don't remember her first name she works at a publishing company with her nemesis josh or joshua and they sit at the same desk or like across from each other, they are assistants to the co-CEOs of a publishing company. They hate each other. Surprise. They start to like each other. That's pretty much the plot. Yep. As far as you need to know. What did you think of the book, Leah?
1: I mean, I I kind of picked it, so I think that I liked it. Um, I mean, it's it's really, it's one of my all-time faves. Okay. That means you shouldn't be afraid to, you know, tell me what you didn't like about it. But oh, I will. It is one of my all-time favorites. Um, and I think a great place for beginner romance readers to start. There's not, um, it's not like crazy high concept. There's, as you said, the plot's like very simple. Um, they're not having sex on page 10. No. Um, they don't have sex till like, pretty close to the very end. very late yeah pretty i close, was waiting for sex pretty close to the end um <laughs> so it's not like overly dirty um not that we have a problem with that um so good place to start i just i i think that she captures the what people like about rom-coms so well and and as an extension of that the whole we talked about last week uh enemies-to-lovers trope, right. which is super popular in romance, um, it's hard to do well because a lot of times I end up thinking, well, if they actually hate each other, like, why are they kissing right now? Like, right. <laughs> um, I'm not generally a big fan of the we're fighting, we're fighting, we're fighting, suddenly you've pushed me up against a wall and we're kissing. Because I'm like, okay, but how How did you know that the other person wanted that to happen? And right. uh, are like... You just said you hated each other. Right. So um, they definitely, because they definitely do fall out of the hate part before they start. Well,
0: no. Sort of. Sort of. It depends. <laughs> it's because the elevator scene.
1: Right. Oh, right. There is that part.
0: There's a part where he picks her up. Oh, he does her push up. her up against the yeah. wall
1: her Okay. I forgot, I forgot about that part. Uh, <laughs> And then yesterday.
0: gives her a ride to her date with like boring Boarfest, dinner Boarfest Danny. Poor Danny. What a boring guy.
1: Poor Danny. But I actually think Danny is like a good character because he has some like traits that are ostensibly supposed to be charming, but like are actually not. Right. It's hard to write chemistry, right? You know, chemistry is easier to see. see yeah, 100%. um, in a movie, um, and it can be hard. I frequently will write after I finish a book like they didn't have any chemistry or they had great chemistry. Like, it's a hard thing to it's write. Hard, yeah. Um, and I definitely think she does that pretty well. What did you think? Okay, so
0: I was very nervous about reading it because I wanted to really like it. Yeah, and I actually liked it. I don't think I, like, really liked it, but I've also not read romance, so I have nothing to compare it to except for watching Mm rom-coms, which I love, and then all the other reading that I do, which is pretty far away from this. So that being said, I liked it. I thought it was super predictable, but I think that that's okay. Yeah. I think that's maybe, like, how it goes. Just, like, when you sit down to watch a rom-com, like, when I started Crazy Rich Asians, I knew... That Hottie and Hottie were gonna be together at the end. Yeah, I didn't know it was gonna happen on the airplane, but spoiler, but I knew. <laughs> like I didn't, I wasn't I
1: mean, the point of a romance novel is not are they gonna get together? As right. we discussed last week, if you know it's a romance novel, you know they're gonna get together right. because that's the definition. But
0: like so, in my mind, I thought Danny would have a bigger mm. part. Like mm-hmm. I thought Danny would be more there would be a bit a bigger fight. Yeah, you know. And I thought that, like, I knew that Josh was in love with her long before she did, which I was kind of like. Like, Come up. I was like, Lucy, girl, like, hello. He's staying in bed with you while you're vomiting. Like, <laughs> your enemy doesn't do that. Like, your good friend probably doesn't even do that. Maybe your best friend, but like your good platonic friend. Yeah. You know, so like, there was stuff like that that I was like, this is like a little predictable sure. for me, but I found myself really, like, I enjoyed it. Once I kind of let go of like, this isn't what I normally read. I was like this is fun. Like I'm having a good time and I also felt like I understand why people read romance more. At least this kind of romance. Mm-hmm. Like this rom-com book, it was a fun thing to be reading instead of watching MSNBC <laughs> impeachment news.
1: Unbelievable. Right?
0: <laughs> like I was like this is so not like I wonder why. My husband was in one room and I could hear whatever sports and which I love and MSNBC, which I also love. And I was in the bedroom, like wrapped up in my little blankie with my pillows and I was just reading and it was like total escapism. And I got that part of it. And I think of the whole experience of reading my first romance novel, that was the most gratifying. Oh, that's good. I'm glad. Yeah. So like, that's just, so I mean, it means that the book worked. Yeah. I have a lot of questions slash thoughts about the role of men in romance books totally. directed towards women.
1: Totally. Or it's,
0: heterosexual, I should say, heterosexual yeah. romances. Let's
1: just like blanket statement say right now, this book is about a man and a woman. So we'll like generally talk about that while still understanding that there are plenty of people who do not fit into those descriptions right. and that queer romance is a thing and right. that we could have a whole separate conversation about totally. that. But let's just blanket say that now. For
0: this conversation. For the
1: purposes of this discussion. Yeah. We're going to talk about. One man and one woman,
0: right? Because, like, I guess there is a fantasy in sexy relationships that someone does throw you up against a wall, and that For that's some something like that, like that, that that's like a trope. Uh-huh. We talked about tropes, like that that's something that people might be turned on by. And today in 2019, I feel like I just would not seen happen in the elevator. I was like, this is rapey, you know? And like, yeah, like. And it was that was like a moment where I was like, I want to be liking them kissing, but this feels super rapey to me. And I didn't like that.
1: I think that's an incredibly valid thing to feel. I think, in particular because they're in a professional setting.
0: Right. Um and I, they joke about HR and I'm like, I worked in corporate America. I'm like, that's not funny. <laughs> right.
1: <laughs> um so yes, I agree. I would say I it's so fun. I almost like glossed over that scene and I literally reread the book yesterday. <laughs> Um, the interesting thing to me is that because we're in her head, we know that she doesn't feel that way. Right. So I do think that's like a good way to
0: protect get around that. that.
1: Um, and I've certainly read scenes like that in other books where I didn't know that because it was in third person or his perspective or whatever. So I do think because it's in her perspective and she's doesn't have a problem with it or I mean, she does, but like. Because she's, like, confused, not because she's, like, right. you're violating me. Right. Yeah. And it's interesting because I I like, I I almost feel like I blocked that scene out because I feel like um, (laughs) then the the sort of progression of when she goes over to his apartment a couple of days in a row and, like, he doesn't, like, take things further physically, I really like. Me too. And it's very, like... um, I don't know what the right maybe affirming or whatever the word is. Um. So yeah, maybe I, I block that scene out too much. Me, yeah. You
0: were like, <laughs> this scene is slightly problematic. Let's like, pretend, let's like, it didn't pretend happen. like it didn't happen. Um, yeah.
1: Yeah. I mean, I will say, Um. and <laughs> give me 30 seconds. Don't like, <clears throat> okay. <laughs> uh, <laughs> romance has tons of problematic things in its past. Tons of them. We'll talk about racism later, but in terms of, especially in terms of things like rape, um, in the books of like the 70s, a lot of them start with rape um, because rape as in
0: the book is acknowledging it as rape or rape as in things that are unconsensual.
1: Both. Okay. Both. It depends. Okay. But for the purposes of this, let's say rape acknowledges rape um, because she's then been deflowered mm. and then she, she can then embark on a sexual relationship with someone else Neat. without waiting for marriage because she's been deflowered, oh. which is like, what a great fucking concept. Um, and I think um, there are some people who would prefer to ignore the passive romance. And while well, I could sometimes be one of them, I generally think it's good to, like, acknowledge where the genre came from and how things are being reinterpreted. Hmm. Um, and uh, yeah, that's my mini romance history luxury. Sure. <laughs> That's so interesting. Cause
0: there's some of the gender mm-hmm. it's not even gender norms, but some of the some of the shit like Lucy being so sad and such a loser because she's alone. Like some of that stuff I've just I'm like <sighs> Girl, you're just single. Like, you'll be fine. (laughs) Apparently, you're hot. Every dude that comes across Lucy in the book, from the delivery man to Danny to Josh, they all, I mean, she doesn't know Josh, but they all think she's super hot. And then she's sitting there being like, I'm such a loser. Like, I never got on dates. And I'm like, you walked up to someone after you made up a date and said, go out with me. And he said, yes. Like, you're fine, Lucy. Yeah. Like, you need some confidence. You need a therapist. (laughs) You need some confidence. And then you put your black dress on and you get thrown up against a wall. Like, girl... You are doing
1: something right, you every, five foot girl. Every single character in every romance novel ever needs a therapist. Anytime <laughs> there's a therapist in romance, I'm like, yes. And I, you are starting to see them more. Oh, but like, so anytime I'm like the hero or the heroine is like doing something annoying, I'm like, you need a therapist, right?
0: <laughs> like, um, you need someone to talk. Like her friend Valerie who like broke up with her because of whatever I'm like we needed Valerie because we needed we needed the what's her name um Judy Greer Greer. we needed the Judy Greer she needed it
1: yeah I mean I do think it's an interesting convention that she doesn't have any friends right um so the 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 interesting thing I feel like with a lot of romances and in particular with heroines it's first of all people are 100 times harder on heroines than heroes. Mm. We see it all the time online. People are like, "Oh my god, this heroine is so whatever, whether it's stupid or annoying or bossy or whatever." Right. And then the hero like saves a kitten and they're like, "Oh my god, he's the most amazing person ever." Right. So, that's one thing to be noted. But the thing I've noticed and and this is in particular, most of the t- places I talk with people about romance are in our book clubs at the store or obviously just with people, but like book club is a, you know, regular right, setting right, right. of course. And the the thing I run into a lot is basically exactly what you just said, which is that people want the heroines to be these kick-ass, confident, incredible women, and then when they are that, they're like, this isn't realistic enough. Mm. Like she doesn't, she there's like she doesn't have any like struggle or whatever. So you know, it's a little hard. It's such a fine line to walk. Right. And I've read, I've read books where I'm like, this heroine is stupid. Like she's, a, I always, my favorite word is like, right. she's a twit. <laughs> um, she's like, can't like, she, you know, right. she's always like getting lost. And right. I'm like, Lucy's not that. No, she's not a twit. Um, and I do think, um, there's a decent amount of growth over the book. I do, I do think there is, I, I, I do think she can be a little annoying at the beginning yeah. and that you're, you are, you know, like, but, but again, it's like the thing is she's like setting up a point, which is like there's this scene where uh, one of her, it's not someone who reports to her, but she's like a coworker. Yeah, she like turns in a report to her. Right. is like asking for an extension for no real reason. And she kind of caves in and gives it to her, even though she has to stay late. Um, and those, and you're like, oh, you're so annoying. And it's like the thing where she's like, I don't, I don't have any friends and I like can't get a date. And you're like, oh, like what is wrong with you? Like just try. But I do think you need that if you're going to have somewhere to go. Right. That's true. And there certainly are romances where the heroine is like that from the beginning. Mm -hmm. However, then I think it becomes more. You, you you then need more external conflict. Like, this is mostly internal conflict. Yeah.
0: Most of this book is her trying to decide if she's really going to like
1: Josh. Right. And it's, it's you know, it's interesting. I, uh, I give my brother a romance, like, every, I don't know, year or so. <laughs> I'm like, this is your yearly brotherly duty for the year. You can read one. Um, and he'd read a football one that I really liked, um, that, and I, then we talked about it and he said uh, something I thought was really interesting. He's like, there are so few characters in this. He's like, it's really just about the two of them. And I was like, yeah, "Yeah, that's kind of what romance is about. Like, you know, they have like, there's like, again, and in this book there's like, you know, her parents, his brother, the bosses, the occasional other person, the the romantic foil, but it's really,
0: it's just pretty much that pretty
1: much about them. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I mean, well, I want to be fair since we picked on Lucy.
1: Yes, great. Let's pick on Josh. Let's pick on Josh
0: <laughs> because I, look, Josh sounds really hot. Yeah. I'm 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 interested in what Josh looks like in real life. I know that um he has blue eyes and so in my mind he looked like um Jesse Williams. Oh. But he's he's white on right. the cover, so no, I like who cares? I'm like I don't fucking care. Like Jesse Williams has blue eyes, therefore great here we are. Choice.
1: Are you aware that this not only is being movie, made into a movie, it's already been cast.
0: I do. The girl who's playing Lucy is also named Lucy. I know. Lucy Hale.
1: And I think she's a pretty good physical fit. I'm concerned that Robbie Amell, who's the guy, is a little bit too slick.
0: I did not know who any of these people were.
1: Um, Well, you probably did not watch um the CW in the <laughs> 2010 to 2019 years. like correct. I did. <laughs> Correct. Correct. Correct.
0: Uh, but... But so in my mind, I'm I have like Jesse Williams going because yeah, like that's the hottest guy I know with blue eyes. Choice. So my husband has brown eyes because if it wasn't if he had brown eyes, then I would have said I imagine my husband. But
1: because so he had to have what? blue eyes, I had to imagine so Jesse Williams. What you know? I think it's a pretty weird quirk of me. I think this is very unusual in romance that I'd never picture anybody. What? Um, everyone like always comes in and they're like talking about their dream casting or whatever. I'm like, mm. I've never thought about it. I don't know. For some reason, I just I do not. I think it's because I'm not. I'm not a visual reader. There's okay. no picture in my head. Got it. Um,
0: See, I cast even for just any fiction book. Really? Yeah. And if, yeah, and if just, I'm reading nonfiction, I'll look up the person. Like, I, I like to know. just don't.
1: I don't know. I just don't do that. That's so interesting. I but just, I really like your choice of Jesse Williams. Yeah,
0: I mean, like, he's beautiful. He is so beautiful. Really beautiful. But, so, okay, so let's talk shit about Josh yeah, for a second. Great. So we talked about Josh being a little assaulty in that first moment. Yeah. And I also feel like Josh... Like, there wasn't a lot going on with Josh that we're told about, except for that he works out a lot and is, like, got a great, like, I, and then he's kind of mean, and then, like, I I didn't get the appeal of Josh, Mm -hmm. and I have, I love a contentious, flirty relationship, like, that. Before I was married, like, that was my go-to back in my heyday when I was hitting on boys in New York City. Like, that was my move. So I get that. But I didn't feel that from Josh. I was like, this is actually just an asshole. This would be a guy that I'd try to flirt with and be like, you're hot, but you're an idiot. Yeah. Like, I hate you. I think,
1: I still think it's, like, pretty flirty. That might just be, like, a personal thing. Right. I think what's interesting with him is that all of the character stuff is really happening in, like, the last third
0: I think you're, I think that's what it is. It's, it's like, I'd already formed too much of an opinion about yeah. these people. And then when she kind of like sh- shifted who they really were, I was like, yeah, but like they didn't let that show early enough yeah. for me. So
1: I think, um, you just get so much more information when they go to the wedding. Right. And, and then the wedding. So Josh, Josh's
0: brother. Patrick mm-hmm. is getting married, which we, he, everyone's a doctor in Josh's family, but him because Josh is a failure because he's not a doctor.
1: Right. He's dro- He We know that he dropped out of med school.
0: Yeah. And 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 that his parents are doctors. And yeah. His...
1: And he sa- he he kind of says like his parents aren't wild about it, but you don't really know. Right.
0: And then Lucy gets sick. She has a flu. She's throwing up everywhere. She's can't food <laughs> poison. She, whatever. She's <laughs> ill. She can't get better. She's disgusting. She's wearing a Sleepy sores shirt. I'm like Lucy, girl, you're so sick. Like, just take some fluids. Call. Go to the doctor. What are you doing? Anyway, so Josh Daisy helps her in the middle of the night. He calls his that brother. That is so
1: tropey. The whole like, I'm the thing that makes us reveal our true feelings is that one of us is. Injured or ill, right. and the other one has to take care of them. I cannot tell you. Or also, how many books does that, that happen a lot? In? Like
0: when they get drunk. I feel like that's tropey yes, in the movies. It's absolutely. like someone drinks too much. You can only tell,
1: say your true feelings
0: when you're drunk. Yeah. So then, so so Patrick comes over the brother, and he's help. He helps her, and they cure her. They think, or whatever, they give her medicine, and then we overhear a conversation about Patrick's wedding that Josh doesn't want to go to. And I don't want to to my own horn, but you I knew instantly. Knew. I was like. The fuck he's marrying his girlfriend like i was like yeah. this is so
1: obvious i think the first time i read it i knew like pretty soon because why
0: else do you not want to go and does your brother say you can bring a date like you know whatever yeah. so we come to so lucy agrees or lucy as a favor to josh for helping her for helping her with her illness or food poisoning mm-hmm. She says she'll go with him to the wedding, but it's out of town, so they have to have a weekend away.
1: Oh, I have a question for you. Yes. Where do you think
0: this book takes place? Well, I looked up where the author was from and said she was from Australia, so I just assumed it was parts of Australia I didn't know. Okay. I Is just, that correct?
1: I, it n- not No and yes. Okay. I just, it's funny to me to ask people, because I think, here's my guess, um, and... So, Sally is Australian. It's an American publisher. My guess is she wrote it to be Melbourne or Sydney, and they were like, you have to make it either new york or just a generic yeah because it felt
0: i was imagining probably new yorky
1: yeah or chicago because she didn't say New no york, york. detail it's yeah. very generic just like city and then they like go to the like country yeah there's a name for the country but it was like oh yeah it was like, like west bell harbor yeah. or something i don't remember it Was it nantucket <laughs> yes let's call it for you um,
0: um
1: but yeah. yeah so <laughs> then
0: they go to the
1: wedding and then they like so she doesn't know she she doesn't understand what why she's walking into so uptight about this wedding and she, she does ask yeah
0: she asks multiple times which she withholds from her yeah and then which
1: i, I do not like but i
0: do not like that either but a i do feel like he does he does make his point why yeah. he did it and yeah. i think he probably did the right thing though i would not have been happy
1: yeah it's like one of my biggest pet peeves in romance is when the when the plot hinges on someone's inability to open their mouth right um i don't like that i this is a pretty rare exception where i'm like I could see it. Yeah. They like, make that work. It's pretty, it's a pretty, it's like a kind, he, at least the way he sees it, it's like a pretty humiliating thing that right. he like doesn't want to tell her. I think it's a little weird that he doesn't think she's ever going to find out. <laughs> I think so too. <laughs> when she goes to this person's wedding. But um, I do get that. Keep going. Okay. So we get to the wedding.
0: We've, we've they don't, they still have not had sex, you guys. This is right. deep into the book. And like, look,
1: because... They haven't had sex because...
0: Well, she was throwing up one. I'm just she,
1: Well, there was that, but because she says it's only going to happen one time.
0: Yes, she has put this, it's only going to happen one time because she's still under this idea that it's hate sex. Right. And that it's not, that they don't like each other. Because Lucy is slightly in denial, but that's partially because she doesn't have a therapist <laughs> or any friends <laughs> to, like, and, talk it out.
1: And heard, we haven't mentioned yet, they are competing for the same job.
0: Oh, which is important.
1: It's very important.
0: To talk about another part of the book
1: yeah yeah so they're because they're so basically they're they're both assistants to the ceo but there's two different ceos because there's a merger at this publishing house right right and there's gonna be a
0: coo
1: COO that basically they are the two most qualified people for and so they're directly competing with each other so she also like doesn't really want to have sex before i don't know if it's like before that or like She doesn't want to have sex. She doesn't want to be in a relationship with him because then one of them them is going to leave. One
0: of them either has to quit or will be the subordinate of the other. And then they they can't be in a relationship. But at the time, that's not really a thing because they still hate each other. Right. Anyway, so they get to this wedding. They don't have sex still. (laughs) Then Lucy meets everyone. The dad's an asshole. Yeah. Yeah. The dad is like basically Josh grown up. So just like more horrible, like set in his ways, cranky, crabby. He doesn't really like Josh. And that's what we think is that's what we're supposed to think is the main problem with the wedding. Is right. that the dad is disappointed in Josh.
1: Beca- and because she keeps asking about a quote unquote scandal, thinking that the scandal is when he dropped out of med school and he doesn't really correct her.
0: Right, exactly. So then we learn about, then basically Mindy, who's the bride. And she's gorgeous. She's a blonde. What she's a tall. Blonde she has brown name. hair. Okay, but I kept imagining Mindy Kaling <laughs> because that's the only Mindy I actually think of. It's a very
1: Nantuckety kind of name. Mindy,
0: for sure. Oh, it's kind of like, you know, it's kind of like Cameron Diaz and my best friend's wedding, oh, except yeah. for with brown eyes. Because eyes are, I keep mentioning eyes <laughs> because honestly, Sally Thorne talks about people's eye color. Only casually 7,000 it's times. It's not in this a book. Sally
1: Thorne thing. It's a romance thing. The eye color the thing. The eye color thing is holy shit. Yeah, who knew? There's, there was this, ho- there's this whole thing about um, violet eyed air color- heroines. Um, that's a huge romance thing that I literally have never thought about until exactly this minute. It's just because the physical descriptions of the people are like so important. So it's eyes, it's smell. I don't oh. know if you noticed how often she talks about how good he smells. I don't, I didn't really. We do, so we do a romance bingo every summer oh, Okay. Um, where we like make a board and like a lot of the categories are like really funny things. And like one year we had like, the guy smells like a tree okay. because, <laughs> and I'm, it's, at some point she's like, he smells like pine trees. Right. Um. It's just like, I think it's because <laughs> it's a written medium. They're like really trying to give you a visual right, right, and right. like, um. but yeah, that's like a super romance thing Okay. and lots of descriptions like about his muscles. So many and, muscles. Yeah, that's there's a little bit about chest hair. That's a real romance. But a lot
0: of eyes like so much eyes. I was like, okay,
1: cool. And her eyes, too. He loves her eyes.
0: Their eyes. You would think that having blue eyes was like being a billionaire. It was that valuable because they talk about it so much. (laughs) I was like, okay, get it. We're gonna get to her eyes. Don't you worry, because that is a whole I have a lot of questions about Josh. Um. Anyways, So Mindy, the bride, on her wedding day, she's nothing better to do than just to casually mention, you know, Josh and I used to date, which, of course, Lucy did not know, throws the whole book into, you know, uh, Josh is just pretending to like me and I like Josh and whatever. Then this leads to them having a huge conversation. Finally, the sex. Yes. They come together all the time. (laughs) Every time, <laughs> three times, uh, come together always. It's a-, <laughs> a lot of sex. Josh basically tells her the reason he didn't tell her is because he didn't want her to think that that was the only reason that she was there. Because we come to find out, as everyone has told Lucy, her boss, and boring Danny, that Josh is in love with her. But Lucy can't see it, which I get. I feel that. That doesn't seem too far fetched to me. Mm-hmm. That's real. But We know as the audience that Josh loves her. So we believe Josh when he says he didn't want to tell her for that reason.
1: And he also says he didn't want to tell her because um, his last few girlfriends have all basically told him that he has a shitty personality. Right. Because and, you know, I do. I really I felt that because I like because i think in his mind it would be like okay so he he's like okay so she dumped me i feel like lucy's first question is probably going to be why why <laughs> right and he doesn't want to be like well because i was kind of an asshole because the thing is he does know and he knows they weren't a good fit he's not like heartbroken over it or anything right. but i think i i i think that he feels like he's i don't know if he feels like he's changed but he definitely feels like he's a different kind of person with lucy
0: yeah and everyone mentions it, the mom, the brother
1: yeah and and so I get wanting to preserve that, mm-hmm. yeah, just I'm not wanting her to think he's an asshole, right I do one of the things i I do really like about this book is there's a lot of discussion about his personality in general and sort of the differences between being an asshole, being good at your job. Um, you know, wanting other people to like you, not caring if other people like you, and um, one of my favorite parts of the book is sort of this revelation, um, that he's shy, right, and that, um, and and that nobody knows that, and that he has a lot of defense mechanisms, right, against that, which make him seem like an asshole so right. and and there are definitely times when he is an asshole for sure but i think it's an inter it, there is a lot of interesting discussion about like the differences between and again and this comes back to your whole gender thing about when he's allowed to be an asshole and when she's allowed to be an asshole right. and i just think that's so relevant um to today's society well right um and Just like, I mean, just the so we talked about the woman who calls and asks for the extension, and then later in the book she does it again, and she finally like gets up her courage or whatever to say no but it really it's it's a it's really hard b it like doesn't go well like the it does change the woman's perspective of her and i just like as someone who uh has to say no to people a lot um i really felt that i thought that was like one of the best scenes of the book one of the things we didn't talk about last week when we were talking about the less glamorous parts of owning a bookstore is um just the amount of things that people ask you for Mm -hmm. um and some of which are, like, related to what you do. <laughs> right. um, like, do you want to be on my podcast? Um, <laughs> Thank you for saying yes. And some of which aren't, which those ones are easy to say no to. But, you know, it's just like, you know, carry my book or can I have an event at your store? Um, And it can be really hard to say no to people um, in in a way that, and again, this is not always possible, in a way that, like, doesn't leave you feeling bad about yourself because they now hate you. Right um so i just i i i felt that that like and also that like you you almost she wants to feel like triumphant like yes i finally stood up to her but actually she kind of feels shitty right because like well because she says a mean thing she's like well
0: you're single and you don't have a family so what do you need to go home for it's like listen here bitch such a bitch like listen
1: and it's like but i i it is that like kind of familiar feeling of like, yeah, it's like it is kind of a moment of triumph, but like also you kind of feel shitty because like someone was mean to you. Yeah. And like now you know that she like doesn't like you anymore.
0: Right. And you know that it was all bullshit in the first place. And she like, only liked you because you were doing right. for her.
1: And like, and you know, girls are trained to believe that the most important thing is whether someone likes you. Right. But
0: it's not. It's not. For girls listening now, it's not.
1: It's not. It's not at all.
0: <laughs> People are not gonna like you. Surprise, surprise. <laughs> okay, let's talk about this Lucy's eyes okay. I wanna, and then I want to shift away from blue eyes to other color eyes great um am I the only person that thinks that Josh is just truly the deeply creepiest person for having an actual bedroom painted the color I mean, of the eyes it's of her a little
1: creepy and then he's like you
0: don't recognize this color and she's like it's Robin eggs blue and he's like looks at her and then she's like oh it's my eye color <laughs> listen i will totally grant you it is <laughs> so creepy so cheesy i wish she had violet eyes so his room was violet because that <laughs> would have been amazing yeah, But real people don't have
1: violet eyes that's the whole point Not fair. um I yeah i mean listen i will grant you it is cheesy as shit yeah. um i mean i think if you're in the right mindset it's like sure. can be sweet
0: i guess i was um, just like dude what if this did not work out what if he slammed <laughs> up against the wall and if this turned out to not be a romance and she was like fuck you i'm calling hr you're fired and he goes home to his blue eye room like
1: <laughs> then he would repaint it
0: yeah he sure would because <sighs> like okay josh was like all he, josh for some was a great people reader i guess because he knew she was all in pretty much i mean he quits his job
1: yeah, but that doesn't have
0: to do with the romance. Well, I mean, well, he it, does it so that they can be together.
1: Yeah, that's yeah, that's true. Um, I mean, that's how I read
0: it. He also hates his boss. We kind of find yeah, out later on. I mean,
1: he does it. Yes, yes, he definitely does do it to give them a shot. But he also, I mean, I think he also does it because it's like her dream job, right? And it's but it's about his. her. Like yeah. he does it for
0: her. Yeah, and at the point when he does it. She's, she, they're not, yeah. They're not together and but she's that's saying what we're holding it. Have a sex grand sometimes. gesture. It is a grand gesture. And
1: he doesn't know. I
0: think that if I was watching this book, I would be less nitpicky. But what you're saying, like what you had said about we spend more time with books. You were saying this about crying last week. We spend more time with books. And so sometimes it's harder to get that full like emotional feeling. Totally. I think that's the thing, especially knowing that I was reading this for a conversation about it. So I'm like looking at every little thing and thinking about what everything means. But I think this will make a fantastic movie. Like I think I'll be totally entertained. I'm excited. Yeah. I can't wait to see it. Like so, I don't necessarily think a lot of the things that I that irked me, right, actually did.
1: Like, and also I think like the the paintball scene is like it's that's hard to write, and you're like, so what's hard. going on? Like I was
0: like, pick a different activity. I know. Sally. I was like,
1: I don't care like who's <laughs> shooting who, but I do think that'll be pretty funny on screen. Yeah, I think some of this will be so
0: good on screen. Okay, we're shifting. I've been teasing this since last week. I want to talk about diversity in romance, yeah. Because you guys here at the at the Ripped Bodice have put together a survey, a study of the diversity in publishing. So this is specifically talking about books that are published by publishers and not self published books, correct? Um, and about the racial diversity, correct? So I want you first of all to just kind of tell us why you guys thought to to actually do this. Okay. Um, Oh, sorry. And the reason that I'm talking about this, sorry, one last thing. The reason that I'm bringing this up is because this book that we've read this week by Sally Thorne, a white woman, stars two white people and an office of people who are potentially could be of color, but it's it's not mentioned. We don't know. There's
1: no, there's never a character of color. There's never
0: a character of color mentioned. We hear a lot about blue eyes. We hear a lot about blonde hair. We hear a lot about white features and traits.
1: Absolutely. So I'm and I would say um, what's an interesting conversation in romance right now and we're going to get back to the report in a second but I just want to mention this really quickly. Um, I have no desire for to see her change that. I think there's an interesting conversation right now, which is that white women are trying to write people of color. And a lot of authors of color are saying, don't do that. Don't do that. Because you suck at it. Sure. So uh, it's not necessary. So, so, again, this leads into the point of the report is not about the characters. People often are like, well, what about when white women write black characters? It doesn't count. It's not the same thing. Right. right. Because we're talking about money. Yeah. This is about money and people's livelihoods yes. who is getting published. Yes, we're talking published. about the people who are getting paid, not the people on the page. And it's also about money because I always, always tell people, we do not do this out of the goodness of our hearts. It's not because we're great people. We do this because we believe that we could be making more money hmm. and that publishers are stopping us from doing that because they're not giving us what we need to make more money.
0: Which is basically you're saying that people buy books, by authors of color Correct. that are romance.
1: Correct. Our bestsellers are always by authors of color so um give us a few titles well so you can go you can go look up the report from last year this one this year's hasn't been isn't out yet but um we put the top 10 uh best-selling books in the ripped bodice um and i think last year was 70 percent um authors of color so a couple we mentioned last week which uh were new last year so kiss potion um, A Study in Scarlet Women by Sherry Thomas. Um, Jasmine Guillory writes um, rom-coms. Uh, I found out
0: that I I know her. Oh, really? Well, kind of. Her sister and I went to high school together. Oh, that's so I funny. I had no idea. <laughs> Anyways. That's
1: funny. Uh, Alicia Rye is is uh, writing similar rom-com-y. Although okay. her her last series was more serious. This series is more rom y Anyway, the point being, to actually answer your question. Okay, why did we do this? It's just, I really think it's just important to say and acknowledge that romance has a really terrible history of inclusion in literally any way you want to interpret that um and a lot of times a history of really blatantly racist ideas and actions and all of that so if you've ever felt like you weren't welcome in romance you didn't make that up right um it's it's real um people are working really hard to change that um but i just want to say that like it's not in your head um right. so when when we opened um pretty quickly um we 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 were aware that there was a problem before we opened but it was we were just like readers so it wasn't like right. really it wasn't our job yet um and i think there's only so f- much you can be aware of the problem without Experiencing it in the way that we did, which is people asking for books with people who look like them. Mm. And you can give them maybe one option, maybe two options, and then that's Mm. it. Okay. So the question became, what can we do to contribute to the conversation that is missing um, cause no, no one needed us to add our voices to the conversation without something to contribute. Right, right. Um, there was no need for us to be like, yeah, we think this is a problem too. That would have done nothing <laughs> Right. because authors of color and readers of color have been working on this for decades since romance started. So I spent some time thinking and listening and in particular listening to how publishers were talking and responding mm. to authors being like, you're racist. And the thing I realized was missing was hard data. I see. And as much as I'm not really a math person, I am really a fan of hard numbers that you can't argue with. And so, cause the two, the two problems, this was in 2016, I think, um, so in 2016, we were still arguing about whether it was actually a problem because they were oh they were still coming back with publishers or white readers or authors who didn't want to listen were like it's not as bad as you guys are saying it is that's problem number one problem number two is uh publishers were saying we're working on it mm. there's no way to prove that they're lying which right. they were I I know I proved it so right. th- I so hard data we want numbers so that we can compare it year over year so that we can. First of all, prove that there's a problem. And if you say you're working on it, okay, your number better be going up.
0: By 2019, we better see a difference. Exactly.
1: So now, if your number it has gone down or hasn't changed and you're like, you're working on it, guess what? You're lying. You're not working on it. Um, I enjoy using the word lying. Yeah. Um, so that's what we do. It's um, incredibly simple on purpose. Um, we want it to be very uh, easy to uh, understand and digest. Yeah. Um, and so, what it is, is uh, every publisher, there's twenty publishers, and the list changes a little bit each year as publishers close. We like right. replace them with other ones. We've had a couple of close since we started doing this. but it's basically the twenty biggest publishers of romance. and there's one question. It's how many books did you publish this year that were written by a person of color? Um, we include Native American people in that category, which there's some debate about whether you're supposed to or not. Um, we err on the side of doing that. And I know that personal color isn't a really catch-all term for that. Um, in the report, it goes into a little bit more detail about that. Um, and you can find the report on their website. Yeah, uh, it's on the homepage. There's a button that says Diversity Report. You click on that. There's three years so far. Um, so we do it for the previous year. Um, it comes out the first Tuesday in March the following year. Okay, so it'll be
0: out in a few weeks when you're listening. To it.
1: Yes, you yeah, won't have to wait very long. Um, I will have already been working on it for several months. <laughs> um, and so ever so that everybody and each publisher gets one percentage number and for the most part it's usually around about eight percent is about the average right now (laughs) and that's that and then and then we break it down and we do some graphs and cool stuff and then as as we uh as the years go on we compare it to previous Mm. years um the more data we have the more you know it can say here's what we did 2016 17 18 19 etc and have uh, you guys noticed
0: a difference for the positive no okay
1: Overall, there has been basically zero net change in the three years that we've been doing this. Have you noticed a
0: difference in the way that the publishers respond to you?
1: Mm, not really. No. Silence is pretty much silence. Okay. So no matter what way. Well, because <laughs> you
0: said in the beginning they were saying like, oh, we're working on oh, it. So it's yeah, sure a trip there now. I mean, like, they've
1: basically stopped Saying that, I mean, there it's a, you know they're they're I still think everything they're doing is lip service though. There've been um like a, two different publishers did it announced in the fall that they were doing like these like contests for like diverse voices for like mentorship programs or whatever, Ugh. and I'm like, just do like why do you have to do that? Just do it like. Or just publish a person's book and see if it sells. It's just, and like, yeah, so I still think most of what they're doing is is lip service. Well, I, I just lot, yeah. And the thing is, now that I have these numbers, I, I don't care. All I care about is the number. You right. want to convince me you're doing it, the number goes up. That's it. Right. I don't care about what you're saying. I don't care about, I right. truly don't care about anything else. And I right. really don't care about the book at all. Right. Um.
0: Well, because also part of it is like, you could write, the same book could be written and published by five publishers, let's say, the exact same book. And depending on how much the publisher believes in it or is willing to put money behind it or is willing to put a good cover artist behind it or whatever, that book could be successful with the exact same words. I mean, I I could
1: spend an hour and a half talking Yeah,
0: I just don't think... (laughs) I think that sometimes people think that just because a book is published, it means that it's getting the same resources. Oh, yeah, no. And so you could easily improve your number actually without...
1: Well, it's very interesting that you said that because actually what they're doing is the opposite Um, so, and this is something that I've really, it's hard to explain to people because it's super inside baseball. So I'll try. Um, but what's interesting is that they're putting more resources and marketing dollars behind books by authors of color, but the, but the number hasn't changed. And so Mm. basically what you need to know is that publishers have books that are front list and books that are not or mid list. Um, and front list is like, um, the books that are getting the most marketing dollars. Okay. So let's say, um, the Stacks publishing company is going to put out a hundred books in 2019. Your sales team and your marketing team is going to pick 10 front list titles, um, that you're going to go to conventions and you're going to print paper arcs to send out right. to a 2000 independent bookstores and you're going to do blogging tours and you're going to get your authors on podcasts. And right. you're really, it's not to say you're completely ignoring the other books, but this is where your dollars and cents are going. Right. So for a long time, Authors of color, we're not getting those dollars. And do not mistake me. This is a good thing. We absolutely want that. right? So, okay. So let's say in 2016, the Stacks Publishing Company had eight books written by authors of color and two of them were front list. 2019, you still have the same eight books, but now all eight of them are front list. So, to the casual observer, it looks like you've done a better it job. It looks like your number has gone up because those are the books that the most people are seeing. The most eyeballs are on front right. list titles on Instagram, on books, book bloggers, and stuff like that. And you're like, "Oh, stacks publishing is improving so much." Right. In reality, their number hasn't changed at all. Right. They're just giving more visibility, which again is, is a good a thing. Good thing. Do not mistake me. We want that. However, you're still not actually changing. The baseline problem. And right. the, the reality is in order for there to actually be change, there need to be authors of color that you haven't heard of. Right. Well, and also if that's working for
0: them, because here's the truth, like you said, it's all about money. So if them putting all their resources behind the eight books by people of color and those books are doing well, that means that there's a market for those books. Mm-hmm. So it's silly for them not to then bring on eight mid-list authors. Right. Like the idea that The idea that if these books were getting all the resources and then were shitty and nobody was buying them and they'd keep doing that is ridiculous and not. that's not how life is, especially in business. So, I mean, yes, it's great. I hear you and I agree with you. It's great to give resources to books by authors of color. But if there is no mid list people.
1: The thing is that the reality is that I can name every single author of color at, say, von books which is the one of the largest romance publishers I can name every single author of color because it's like five wow. I shouldn't be able to do no. that there need I can't name every white author because there's a bunch that publish like cowboy romances that I've never heard of right there need to be ones that I don't know about right, right. totally um, and again this is another problem which authors of color talk about all the time you have to be great right you can't just be good you can't just be good you have to be Phenomenal. Well, that's
0: across the board for people of color. I'm sure you've heard the phrase. I mean, I was raised with it. You have to be twice as good of to get half as far. Of course.
1: So you have your book has your first book has to sell as well as some as a white author's tenth book. Right. Otherwise you're not getting a publishing contract.
0: Right. Okay. Yikes. So <laughs> all that being said, we'll wrap up on the hating game. We just have to talk about great the cover and the title. Okay. What did you think of? What do you think of those two things?
1: The cover is a really interesting thing from a bookselling perspective because this book came out in two thousand six sixteen or okay. seventeen. So it was one of the first illustrated mm. covers of this generation. So okay. if you remember, like um, kind of shopaholic era, okay, um, like nineties, like very late nineties, like yeah. ninety nine two thousand. Um, that illustrated covers were a thing. Um, like, and then they fell out of fashion. Right. And they've come back in fashion, um, in a big way now. But I think Hating Game was, like, ahead of the game. Mm. I think if this book came out now, people would say the cover was boring. Yeah. But at that point, it was not. Yeah. Um, it was, like, graphic and interesting and different. Now, if you compare it to a lot of illustrated covers, it's not that interesting. Right. It's just two people. Um, but... At the time. Who don't have blue eyes on the cover, just <laughs> in case anybody was curious. Uh, but the book is teal. Why isn't the book Robin's Egg Blue? I haven't even thought of that. It should be Robin's Egg. It should egg. be blue.
0: Somebody should have blue eyes on the cover. It's teal. Um, what about the title?
1: You know, for me, it's so... I could care less about the title. Truly. I just think that if you... I truly think the cover has the title. Honestly, in this case, the co- the title has more to do with the book than it normally does. Hmm. For the most part, romance titles are complete gibberish. <laughs> they, they, they're they just like words. They're just like the love that flirts with the duke of the son of the sinner of the cowboy right. hero heroine in the play. They're just it's gibberish. Okay. They just put words together because they're all the same. Mm. So... I would say this title actually has a decent amount to do with the book. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Um, Yeah. I don't know. For me, I I truly like when I'm deciding like whether to buy something, I don't give a shit about the title. I give a lot of shit about the cover, but um, as unless the title was like, you know, the, the, I don't know. I'm trying to think of something, but unless the title has something racist in it, which they did. Right. Um, the Sheik's Virgin Bride. I see. Savage Love. Right, right, right. Okay. By the way, they still publish things like The Sheik's Virgin Bride. Uh-huh. I believe that. Um, okay. I don't really care about the title.
0: <laughs> no, I didn't. I don't care for this title at all. But the title. Um, but I like the cover a lot. Yeah, I like. I'm I'm drawn to the illustrated romance cover.
1: Yeah, I and, think a lot of people it's are cute. Um, and I like the because it feels rom commy. Aside from the whole blue discussion, um. I like the teal, too, a, and the a yellow. A lot of the illustrated covers have a have red or pink undertones, or pink. which I, I fucking love pink. Look at the store. But right. um, in terms of standing out, um, I like the teal. Yeah, I like the teal, too. I feel like it feels rom-com-y,
0: and I like a rom-com, so I felt like I knew what I was getting into just by looking at the book, yeah. which I appreciate right. as well, a reader. That's the point, yeah. Yeah, like, I want to know. I don't want any surprises. If it had been the picture and they had had, like, you know, a... a a floofy petticoat and she was like pressed up against him and it was right, a picture I'd know not, that's a different kind of right, book that's so I'm, cool. I'm happy that this book looks like what it looks like I think we're out of time but this was amazing thank you for for popping my my rom, rom, romance cherry You're welcome. though I just actually remembered that I have read Fifty Shades of Grey doesn't
1: count does it well not the first one
0: because oh, there's not a happy ending.
1: Correct.
0: But I read the whole series. All right,
1: well, okay. Okay, so I've read like three romances, <laughs> two and a half. <laughs> Anyways,
0: guys, go check out The Ripped Bodice. Um, if you're in LA, come visit the store. If you're not, check it out online, therippedbodicela.com. Yeah, and all of our social media handles are The Ripped Bodice. And that'll all be linked in the show notes. So... I, I challenge you all to order your next book from the ripped bodice
1: yeah and if you you could there's this place um like to leave notes tell me that you heard me on the sacks i'll i don't know throw in a pin or something fun oh yeah um but yeah you uh, you can leave us a note and let let me know you heard us here yay leah thank you so much this is so We'll have Thank to do this you. again next Valentine's Day. Okay. We have to make this a series. Oh my God, I love it. Let's do it. Let's do
0: it. I'm so in. Okay. okay. Thank you so much. And you guys, we will see you in the snacks. That does it for us today. Thank you all so much for listening. And thank you to Leah Koch for being our guest. You can find everything we discussed on today's episode in the link in the show notes. Make sure to get your book recommendation read on air by sending us an email at askingthestacks at gmail.com. For more from The Stacks, please follow us on social media at thestackspod on Instagram and at thestackspod underscore on Twitter. And check out our website, thestackspodcast.com. To join The Stacks Pack and get inside access to this show, head to patreon.com slash thestacks. Make sure you are subscribed to this show wherever you get your podcasts. And if you're listening through Apple Podcasts, please take a moment to rate and review the show. Our graphic designer is Robin McCrite, and our theme music is from Tagirajus. This show was created and produced by me, Tracy Thomas.